a gentleman was walking through an elephant camp. And he spotted that the elephants weren't being kept in cages or held by chains. All that was holding them back from escaping the camp was a small piece of rope tied to one of their legs. As the man gazed upon the elephants, he was completely confused as to why the elephants did not use their strength to break the rope and escape from the camp. They could have easily done so. But instead, they didn't try at all. Curious, he wanted to know the answer. He asked a trainer nearby why the elephants were just standing there, never trying to escape. The trainer replied, when they were very young and much smaller, we used the same size rope to tie them. And at that age, it was enough to hold them. As they grew up, they, they were conditioned to believe that they cannot break away. They believe the rope can still hold them. So they never try to break free. The only reason why the elephants weren't breaking free and escaping from camp was over time. They adopted the belief that it just was not possible. Some of us here are just like those elephants. You've bought the lie that you're stuck, trapped, that nothing will ever change, that you will never have the kind of freedom in Christ that you see that others have. Some of you are having a really difficult time Things were seemingly going okay, and then we started a series on the Holy Spirit, and now you're struggling. Some of you have been struggling for a long time. Some of you have been going through the motions, wanting to be different, but accepting that you will never have that breakthrough, being tied by a little rope, holding you back. Things are heavy. Your mind is a war zone. Temptations are around every corner and you are exhausted. Your stress is high. You feel despair. You're struggling with anger, pride, shame. And now you're feeling like I read your mail. I didn't, but he did. I have prayed for you this week. And I need you to know that God has been unrelenting. That this was the message for today. I asked for something different. I didn't get it. Because he's reading your mail, folks. Because he loves you. And the Lord has been pushing me all week 
to remind you that you are in the midst of a war. Yes, we have had some exciting services and we have had some amazing things happen at the altar. And you've left on a high only to fall to a new low. And you're not understanding why. You see the Lord's faithfulness. But you're struggling to take it with you and to walk in it. We're in the midst of a war. And the Lord has shown me these three camps all week. For some of you, you're in a battle against yourself. For some of you, you want it your way. You like the idea of community and church, but you also prefer self-reliance. You prefer self-governance to be your own man or woman, and no one's going to tell you what you can and cannot do. Your battle is with yourself because you want to be your own God. For others of you, you are experiencing the influence of the demonic upon you. Now hear me, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you cannot be possessed. We're not talking demons in you. But we have to know that the enemy hates you. Hates everything about you. And he is happy to oppress you and to push you down. He is happy to put thoughts in your head that you are worthless, that you will not change, that God does not love you the way he loves others. Some of you have had your past come back at you like a freight train. The things you thought you had died to seem to be lurking around every corner. The sins that you thought you were delivered from are showing up on Facebook, on the TV, in your email, in an innocuous Google search. And you don't know what's going on. Some of you are feeling like you are just about to break. And then there's others of you who you've yielded. You have heard the Lord speaking to you and you've stopped and you've listened. And you've handed over control. And you've said, okay, Lord, here I am. One step at a time, you're walking and you're following. For some of you, there is a hunger being birthed in you that you have not known for a long time. You're loving reading the word. It's leaping off the pages. You cannot get enough of the Lord. Your hunger for him. 
Your appetite for him cannot be satisfied. For you, I'm cheering you on. Keep going. Do not stop. Keep feeding that hunger with the word of God. Because the spirit of the living God is leading you and guiding you in truth and righteousness. And for those of you in this birthing of a personal revival camp, I bless you. I rejoice with you and I need your help. This morning, if that is your camp, I'm asking for your prayers. I'm asking for you right now to begin to stand in the gap. To begin to ask the Lord how to and for whom to be praying for. Because see, the Holy Spirit wants a breakthrough in us today. I'm asking you to take a posture of prayer. To seek the Spirit and to pray with Him today for your brothers and sisters. See, part of me actually just wants to say we are pausing our regularly scheduled program for this interruption, for this special word. But the truth is, is it's all part and parcel as we steep in the Holy Spirit. As we seek to break the barriers that hold us back from experiencing the fullness of God, this is what happens. We get stuck in our heads. Our past comes back. The enemy attacks. And some are living in freedom that we become envious of. So wherever you are today, whatever camp you're in, this message is from you, for you. And I need you to know that the Holy Spirit wants an audience with you today. Hebrews 3.15 says, Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Loved ones, I need you to know that you have a choice on the condition of your heart. You have a choice. You can harden it. You can take offense. You can tell yourself all of that. You're right. You don't need this. You're good enough. Who is she to call me out on anything? I'm just a conduit of the Lord. You have a choice. See, Israel wanted it their own way all the time, and they became boneheads. Don't do that. Because, see, you know what? There's no shame in the body of Christ. We're all sinners in need of saving. We are all people needing transformation. So over the last three weeks, we have been steeping in the Holy Spirit. 
We have looked at who he is, that he is God, the third member of the Trinity. We've looked that he speaks to us. He intercedes for us. He teaches us. He guides us. He convicts us. By the love and mercy of God, he convicts us. Because he has a better way. He wants for us more than we want for ourselves. He teaches us. He guides us. He indwells us. He matures us. He empowers us. And he calls us to live on mission for his kingdom. Last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit's role in producing the fruit of the Spirit in us. That the fruit of the Spirit is actually the evidence that we have a relationship with Jesus. The fruit is the proof to allow others to see that God is in fact producing the character and nature of Jesus within us. That our hearts are changing, our minds are being transformed. It's a supernatural love. It's a supernatural patience. It's a supernatural kindness. It's a supernatural self-control. That it's not something we can pick and choose from. It's something that happens within us when we yield. Perhaps all week. Some of you have been feeling like the list that Paul shared on the works of the flesh has a greater inventory in your life than the fruit of the Spirit. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, putting anything in the place of God, including yourself. Sorcery. Maybe you're watching things that are so dark, you have no business watching. Maybe you're seeking wisdom from sources that do not come from God. Hostility. It's burning anger within you. Quarreling. Always looking for a fight. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger when it just bubbles over and you can't even rein it in. Selfish ambition. I want that. And I'm going for it at all costs. Dissension. You will not be in unity. Division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, not an exhaustive list, Paul says. Listen, you might dress up really well. Come to church, raise your hands and worship, and it's sincere. You want the Lord. 
but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this is dictating everything about you. And you try to bury it all and pack it all up so you can get to church again on Sunday. That is not the way the Lord wants you to live. It's not his plan for you. It's not his desire for you. It's not his will for you. And yet you have this rope tied to you. You are yielding to something other than the spirit of God. See, the opposite of the works of our flesh. And hear me, friends, we all are struggling. Some of us know it and are in battle to kill it. Some of us are just hiding it and embracing it. Some of us are just choosing to live in absolute denial that there's some dark matter in our heart and in our minds. See, when the character and nature of Jesus is being produced in us, you cannot hide love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness. You cannot hide gentleness. You cannot hide self-control. Paul says... That those works of the flesh, you've got to crucify them. They need to be nailed to the cross. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this quote, and he says, When God calls a man or a woman, he bids them to come die. That is the invitation. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that love came down, love invaded this earth. God left heaven and took on human flesh to be seen as one of us, to experience the magnitude of a fallen world, and yet he was without sin. He knows how hard this life is. He knows what it's like to be rejected and hated. He knows what it's like to be abandoned and forgotten. He experienced it. And when you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of Christ indwells you. He lives in you. He knows your heart. He can feel your heart. He knows your thoughts. He can identify with you completely. So when we hear that invitation to come to Christ, it is a call to come and die. And this is where we experience conflict. Because everything about who we are in our natural selves does not want to die. We don't want to die. Nobody here is going to raise their hand and voluntarily say, I'll die. Because it is counterintuitive to our flesh. 
We are afraid to die. Even when death is the only way forward, we are afraid. We are afraid that if I bring this forward, that maybe this is where God says, not you. It's not going to happen. See, there is an enemy who will lie and say, no, 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 no. You're the exception. This one, this one can't be redeemed. Yes, you can. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. The thing is, you have to believe it. The thing is, is that you actually have to want to be free. The thing is, is that some of us are really, really comfortable having that rope around our foot. We've become familiar. We've become comfortable. Listen, we like to be victims. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us today. We are here. We are ready to receive from you. We are ready to be transformed by you. Lord, we have been reminded already that you did not give us a spirit of fear. Make that alive in us right now. That you gave us a spirit of love and of power and of self-discipline. Help us to drop our walls. Help us to surrender our defenses so that we can meet with you this morning. Lord, we know that you deserve every piece of us. So help us to be open to the move of your spirit. Lord, move in our hearts, move in our minds, move in our souls. Since you are the searcher of all things, would you speak to us now, reveal to us what we're holding back from you? We ask that by your spirit you will break through the chains that bind us that you will release your people today. That we will have the confidence to stand against the work of the enemy. That we will declare that he is defeated and he has no place amongst your people. Lord, break through the barriers of our minds. Help us to snap off the rope that is holding us back this morning. Have your way in your church this morning, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. When I do workshops with kids and youth, one of the things that we teach them is that when we speak out and ask God for help, that we need to trust 
and not be afraid that what follows is him speaking. I know that the Lord has spoken to you. I know that as we prayed that prayer together, things came to your mind. And it's okay. Don't hide from that. Don't run from that. The Spirit is speaking to you. Because today is a new day. Today is a day of freedom. Today is a day of wholeness. Today is a day of healing. Today is a day of becoming what the Lord is inviting you to become. So don't lose those thoughts. It's okay. It is safe and you are loved. You are so profoundly loved. If the Lord is showing you that what you've been under has been from outside and it's a spiritual attack, you rebuke the enemy. All authority that Jesus has, he's given to us as his sons and daughters. Satan has no authority over you. Satan has no authority over you. Unless you give it to him. Do you hear me? He has no authority over you. Unless you give it to him. So take it back. Rebuke the enemy. You are a child of God. He's defeated. He's desperate and he knows it. Move closer to Jesus. The word tells us that if we resist the enemy, he will flee. If the Lord is showing you that you have pride, shame, anger, rebuke it. Rebuke yourself in Jesus' name. Identify those thoughts. See, God says he has a place for the work of our flesh. He has a place for our sin nature. That old self is to be nailed to the cross. We need to detest it. It needs to be disgusting to us. We need to see it as separate than who we are as children of the Most High. There is no place. There is no place for the work of the flesh. We cannot have two identities. Now, loved ones, we need to know that crucifying our sin, dying to our old selves, is not something that happens to us. It's something that happens with us. We have work to do. It would be so much easier if the Lord just said, all right, I'll just take care of that for you. It's like making your bed and doing your laundry. The Lord just, I got it. But he doesn't. He says, I've given you everything that you need to train yourselves for godliness. 
You're going to work at it. I'm going to bring your salvation to completion, but you're going to work. You're going to risk it. You're going to step out in faith, and you are going to trust me. And so, as the Lord spotlights our sin, as he spotlights those attitudes that do not honor him, as he spotlights those things that nobody else knows, but you and him, you have a decision to make. You have to decide whether or not you are going to let it come into the light. You have to decide whether or not you're going to confess it. See, it's when we confess it, when we say it out loud, we're bringing it to the Lord. We're owning it. We're not hiding it. And I can't explain it because something supernatural happens and God chooses to remain a mystery in so many areas and this is one of them. But when we bring it to the light, when we say it out loud, we are allowing for some supernatural transaction to take place. The scripture says that when we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. And the reason why we don't do that is because we don't believe that to be true. Because the enemy is lying to us. And saying, wow, if people only knew. People only knew. Well, if we knew, we would know you're just like the rest of us. Sinners in need of saving. Broken people. Who struggle to do the right thing. Embarrassed and ashamed. Of the slips and the falls. See, we'll just know that we're all the same. Born into sin. Struggling. Just like Paul who said he does the things he doesn't want to do. And he can't do and he doesn't do the things he knows he should do. Imagine you and me just being exactly like the greatest church planter on the face of the earth. Imagine our hearts being like King David's. Adulterer, murderer, liar, couldn't keep a handle on his family. Broken, lost, alone, scared. Facing giants. His brothers make fun of him. I don't know about you, but when I, when I read when he was coming to the Philistine camp, I, I read in the scriptures that his brothers called him a wiener. Like, look at, look at David, like what's he going to do? And yet God says, he's a man after my heart. God says, you're a woman after my heart. You're a man after my heart. 
And I need you to see it. I need you to trust me. How do we spell faith? R-I-S-K, risk. See, faith requires us to take a step and be sure of something that we cannot see. Faith requires a boldness to say, I have, I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And it is scary. But the Lord says, do not be afraid. He says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of power and love and self-control or self-discipline. See, some of you have come in here believing the lie that this is as good as it gets. That your current struggles are always going to be your struggles and you've accepted it. I'm always going to have that issue. What if that's not true? What if you don't always have to be buried beneath the weight of that sin, of that attitude, of that inability to forgive that person for that thing? What if you could be free? What if what is holding you back is a flimsy little rope that with one step will snap? See, this is what the Lord wants you to hear. So how do we win the war? The answer is simple. Risk God being right. Risk that all of the things that you've read in Scripture are true. Risk that God loves even you. Risk that your heart, too, can be mended. That you can be delivered from whatever that sin is that you work so hard to cover up. So how do we do it? What can you and I do that will allow us to die to our sin nature, to make, us, to make more space for the Holy Spirit, to produce the character and nature of Jesus within us? We're going to have to face a really hard, cold fact. A hard truth. And the truth is that you and I would rather sin than suffer. We would rather sin and think we're getting away with it and think we're hiding it from God than to suffer in the present. You would rather sin and suffer. So the path to freedom, the path to Jesus, is drenched in vulnerability. 
There is no way to move from where you are to where freedom is in Jesus without being vulnerable. And the first step to that is to actually admit that you would rather sin than suffer. Your tendency, your inclination is always for self-preservation. You would rather your will than his will. You would rather displace God from his sovereign throne in your life than to suffer here and now. See, you were born with a desire to, for self. You inherited it from Adam and Eve. And the father of lies is still dropping the very same question he did in the garden. Did God really say that? Did God really say he would forgive that? Did God really say that he wants you? We must become aware that that sin nature, our old self, is continually lurking beneath the surface. See, this battle is lifelong, and I wish I could tell you if you do A, B, C, and D, it'll be cut off forever and you'll be done. But loved ones, that's not the case. This is a battle that we will battle our entire lives on this earth. And a brutal, vulnerable honesty is required. Every fiber of our being wants to resist pain. We want to resist suffering. And truthfully, it is easier to displace God, to reject him, than to deny our own will. It's just easier. It is easier to say, I'm going to do that and I'll, I'll apologize later. It's easier to say just this one last time. It's easier to say, but you know what? They hurt me so bad. I want them to feel as badly as I do. It's so much harder to say, Lord, you're going to have to cut this off of me. See, we have to identify our own thinking. We have to recognize our own thoughts. We cannot change what we do not confront. A number of years ago, the Lord started working this out with me. And one of the things was for me. I don't know if you can relate to this, but for me, this idea of what I deserved and didn't deserve. See, when you, when you live in the ministry, yeah, you get punched. When you preach on sin, you offend people. You know, not, not everybody will like you. And that is a hard thing to deal with. And that's not just a preacher thing. That's a people thing. 
I'm so embarrassed to confess that I really just want people to like me. That I actually really do care about what you think of me. Because I will also tell you that I live for the pleasure of my king. And my heart's desire is to serve him and to serve him alone. But you get in my head. And I want you to like me. And so I live in this battle. And so sometimes there's this battle and I think, man, I don't deserve what's happening to me right now. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but I can get on these trains where I think, I deserve better than that. Do you not know what I did? Oh. Oh, but then the spirit of the living God gets me alone and says, really, Crystal? You deserve hell. You deserve punishment for your sin. You deserve an eternity outside my presence. But I'm going to shower on you everything you do not deserve. So for me, I've got to guard my heart. And in a moment of transparency and vulnerability, this is one of those areas for me. That I, that I have to care more about what the Lord thinks of me than what people think of me. And I struggle. And I can lose sleep. And I can literally feel sick. I have to be able to identify my thoughts because I cannot change what I will not confront. And the same is true for you. So I'm not sure when the last time you read Song of Songs is. I'll be impressed if anybody was recently. But in chapter 2, of verse 15 of the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, it says this. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. So the context of the Song of Songs is between a woman and her beloved. It's a very romantic text. Husband and wives, read it together. It's a beautiful love story. And the woman is speaking to her beloved, and he is responding, and it's romantic, and it's beautiful. And in the context of the conversation going back and forth, the little foxes speak to the things that could damage the relationship between the lovers. But this imagery works for me. Because I start piecing it together. So Jesus says that he is the vine and we are the branches. And we are to produce fruit. The grapes on the vine. And then there are foxes. Foxes that wreak havoc on gardens and vineyards. They come in quietly, seemingly harmless. Yet given time and neglect, these troublesome little animals will soon destroy what was once blooming 
and beautiful. Foxes come into the garden and if not caught and removed, will wreak havoc. So just like the things that can get in between the woman and her beloved, these cute little foxes can be destructive, gnawing branches and breaking vines and digging holes and spoiling roots and ruining the fruit on them. Hudson Taylor, a British missionary to China, thought that the little foxes could ruin our relationship with Jesus. He says the enemies may be small, but the mischief done is great. And how numerous are those little foxes? A little compromise with the world, disobedience to that still small voice, a little indulgence here, neglect of duty there, little strokes of policy Doing evil in the little things so that good may come. And the beauty and fruitfulness of the vine is sacrificed. Quarreling with others. Pride. Bitterness. Sexual immorality. Materialism. Prayerlessness. Filthy language. Envy. Drunkenness, drug use, not an exhaustive list. But these are the little foxes. The little foxes that come in to destroy the garden that the Lord is trying to produce. Catching the little foxes requires teamwork. In your imagination, imagine you're going to have to tag team to catch the fox. I mean, we can't even catch our dog with two people. Some of you can't catch your kids without help. The catching of foxes requires teamwork. For the woman and her beloved, they have to work together in order to protect their love. For Jesus has secured our victory. The battle has been won. The devil is defeated. And in the Lord's grace and mercy and love for us, he has placed us into community. Why? So that together we can catch the foxes. So that together we can protect our walks with the Lord. And I know, I know that in the past we have failed in various areas at this church, but today is a new day. Why? Because his mercy is new every day. So today we have a choice to be fox catchers together. Today we need to know that thoughts become words. And words become actions, and actions become habits, and habits become values, and values become destiny. We have to catch the foxes. 
And the invitation today is to acknowledge that there's foxes in the garden. That's the kind of vulnerability. There's foxes in the garden. And when we say that, out of love for one another, we stand together and say, we'll catch that fox together. In faith, we'll pray together. That God will intercede and intervene and bring deliverance and healing and wholeness. That together, in the Lord, through the Spirit, we can be more than we can apart. When we do not agree with temptation, we have not committed a sin. Temptation is our reality, folks. There's always something lurking to draw us away from God. But when we do not yield to it, we have not sinned. So when we identify those foxes and we say, here's the fox, by bringing it into the light, it begins to lose power. By walking with a friend, we have an accountability in a safe place. In theory, my friends, this all sounds really good, and in practice, it's really hard. Because you would rather sin than suffer. You would rather sin than be embarrassed by confessing sin. We have hope. Hope is Jesus. Whom, in the fullness of time, took on flesh, left heaven, came down, Emmanuel. We already sang about it this morning. That he bore this sin on the cross. He defeated the enemy. Victory has been won. The battle is real. But we can have victory. Jeremiah says in Lamentations, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Don't misunderstand. You don't have to wait till tomorrow morning. But in this moment, his compassion and his love for you is new. You can access him any time you need to. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And he's continually inviting you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. He sees the foxes. But he's wondering if you do. Have you become so accustomed to the things that are destroying what God is trying to grow and birth in you that you've become complacent? Have you given that rope 
more strength than it really has. See, there is freedom in Christ. And perhaps for some of you, this is a first step. Perhaps for some of you, means acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a savior. For some of you, that means accepting the invitation to know the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. By saying, you know what? Everything that is described about the works of the flesh, that's me. But I, I feel the Lord calling me to something. See, the right response to that is to yield and say, okay, Lord, give me faith to trust. Help me to love you. And we confess our sin and we invite the Lord to take ownership of us, to become our Lord and Savior, to commit to living our lives in service to him, being transformed by him daily by the renewing of our mind. And so if that's you this morning, the invitation is yours. If you have been one who has just had this war going on, whether you're battling your own stubborn heart or the enemy has been externally trying to push you down, today is the day to expose the foxes, to allow them to be captured. So that the fruit can grow. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And again this morning, we need to take some time with the Spirit. We need to take some time to respond. If you are feeling drawn to the Lord for the very first time, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I see you. And I'm beginning to see your love for me. I know that I am a sinner in need of saving So, Lord Jesus, I invite you to become my Lord and my Savior. All that I am is yours. Holy Spirit, transform me into being who you've created me to be. Give me faith to trust and obey you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, whether you're in the house or you're online and you prayed that for the first time, welcome to the family. You have been transplanted into the kingdom of God and the Lord has written his name on you. You are his. 
you are his, and heaven is rejoicing. And so if that is you, I want to invite you to share that good news with somebody. I would love it if that would be me, because I'm totally selfish. I own it. I love the privilege of praying for new believers. So you can reach out to us. You can come to the altar and reach out to me if you're here. But you can reach out to us through social media, through our website. You can call the church on Tuesday. We would love to hear from you. And with that, if you are online, we are going to bid you farewell. Blessings on your week. Thank you for joining us. We're going to spend some time here in the house getting alone with the Spirit of God. Have a great week, friends online.